All right, this morning we continue in our series of messages on the subject of love. Last week we picked up where Peter had left off the previous Sunday with a look at John 15, verses 9 through 12. Jesus made four powerful statements there that we looked at. He said, I love you. And he followed that up with an invitation to abide in his love. And then he made a statement that's hard for some of us to swallow. He said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And then he spelled out the commandment he wanted to emphasize at that point. He said, love one another. Love one another. Jesus showed us that there's a way into the full experience of his love. A love that is always there and is always unconditional. We are to obey his command to love each other. Through our obedience, we enter into a fuller experience of Christ's love for us, an experience that Jesus promised would bring us complete joy, his joy. We also took a tour through the New Testament last week and saw just how prevalent this command to love one another is. We saw that we're to do everything in love. Now, that's a tall order, but it's not an impossible order. In fact, I think it's a very reasonable order. In 1 Corinthians 16, 14, Paul writes, let all that you do be done in love. Why would he write this? Why would he even suggest that we set the bar for our lives so high? Isn't he asking something that just can't happen during our time here on earth under the curse of our sinful nature? I don't think so. I don't think that we're being asked by Christ and those led by the Holy Spirit to write to do something that we can't do. Jesus said something to his disciples in John 14, verse 12, that we would do well to revisit often. It's an intimidating statement, to say the least, but Jesus said it, and he was pretty serious when he did, so let's give it another look. This is John 14, verse 12. Jesus says, truly, truly, and when he says truly twice, it's really true. It's not just true, it's super true, and he wants you to pay attention when he says it. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Jesus returned to his Father, and he reconciled us to him. Then he sent us his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to teach us, to comfort us, and to give us the power to be what God has called us to be in this world. And because of that, Jesus believes that we, the church of Jesus Christ, will do even greater things in this world than he did. Our reach will be farther. The number of lives we'll be able to influence will be even greater than what Jesus could do. That was his expectation of the church when Jesus returned to heaven. We, the church, have a great deal of significance in this world. We represent the kingdom of heaven We've discovered the gift of eternal life. We've been given a commission and have been empowered by Jesus Christ himself to go into all the world and make disciples. And he shows us in his word that the plan he has in mind for us is that we love people. The love of God being lived out through each of us is the most influential power on the face of the planet. Do you believe that? Or do we still believe that the media is the most influential power on the planet? It's the love of God being lived out through us. Paul instructed Christ's church to do everything in love. 
And that's not just lofty sentiment. That's the reality of the calling that God has placed on the church, on our church, on Chapel Hill Church. Everything we do, we are to do in love. And that standard is not impossible for us to achieve. I shared a few years back a realization that we had from our time living in Senegal, West Africa, that I think needs to be repeated here. Um, We lived and did ministry in an area that was very nearly 100% Muslim. And that makes it a, a very tough mission field. No one would argue with that. But as our team became a part of the lives of the Wolof people there, we heard a statement repeated many times over and over again that opened doors for the truth to be preached in their villages. And this was the statement, we have never seen a love like this before now. Never seen this kind of love. They were experiencing us something that was foreign to them, but was getting through to them. They experienced God's love through us. Brad and Deb Mashburn are some of the missionaries that we support as a church. Um, They're featured this week on your bulletin insert. There's a half-page feature on them. Um, Read about who they are and what they're doing. They are loving people into the kingdom of heaven in a place that many would consider to be an impossible culture to reach. They're attempting to do everything in love because that's what the word of God commands God's children to do. They're not debating their way into people's lives. They are loving their way in. They've gone to a place where Jesus did not go. And they've gone out of love, just like Jesus envisioned. Now, listen to this for just a minute. Having lived there in Africa and now here in the United States, I honestly believe that this country is becoming as difficult to reach as any country in Africa and maybe more difficult. And that doesn't belittle anything that our missionaries in Africa are doing. There is no church where they are. The gospel has never been preached where they are. And praise God for the willingness of people like the Mashburns who will be obedient to God's call on their lives and go when he says go. But you and I, Chapel Hill, have an enormous task ahead of us. We are called to be the light of this world. Every single one of us. Because this world, this country, this city has lost its way and needs a light to lead people back home. And in this day and age, words alone are not going to cut it. The truth has been under attack for a long time now here. God's word has been set aside. A nation who once followed God now mocks the very concept of God. And in the wake of that rebellion... Millions of lives have been emptied of meaning and stripped of value. Our neighbors aren't just borderline Christians anymore. They're lost. And the reward they got for being deceived on such a massive level was an empty, lonely, disillusioned, stressed out life. 2,000 years ago, when the same thing could be said of the world, God responded with love with a deep, sacrificial, generous, unconditional love. And what the world needs, needed then is the same thing that the world needs now. It needs to be loved. And we are the vessels that will be used to carry that love to the world. Chapel Hill, we will not sit by and just shake our heads over the state of this world. People are in pain all around us. 
Every one of us knows somebody that's in pain. They're lonely. They're depressed. They're anxious. They're scared. They're lost. And we will not accept that reality without responding to it with love. As a leadership team, we're working right now on ways in which this church will respond to the need around us in love uh, in a bigger way than we are right now. By the fall, we'll be ready to begin a process of equipping this church to respond to this community in a loving, relevant way. But it's not going to be easy. Brace yourselves. This is an all-in proposition that's coming. We have to be the light of Christ to our neighbors. That calling is not optional to Christ's church. It's not optional to Chapel Hill Church. It is not optional for any one of us. Your neighbors are going to know that they are loved by God. My neighbors are going to experience the love of Christ through us. We will say yes to Christ's commission, all of us. We will be the missionary force in our neighborhoods and beyond. If we're going to be what God has clearly called us to be, we're going to need to get very faithful at practicing love. It's no mistake that so many of the commands to love were given to the church to express to each other. Love starts here. We are to love each other. And from here, our love will spill out into every avenue of our lives. I want every individual who enters the doors of Chapel Hill Church to be greeted and welcomed with love. And this is something that we do well, so this is not a correction or a reprimand of any kind. I am so proud of the way in which we've embraced so many people who have started attending here in just the last few years. Uh, Many of you could give testimony to that very readily. But there's always room for improvement. Always. There are still people who came and left because they just didn't feel welcome here. Let's keep working on that. There are people who have been here a long time who are feeling left out and alone in spite of their history here at this church. Let's fix that. Take the time every Sunday to meet someone that you don't know, Chapel Hill. Just look around. There's lots of them here. Take the time to meet someone you don't know and don't worry about how long they may have been going here, okay? Um, Can we make a pact that we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves if someone greets us as if it was our first Sunday but we've been going here for a long time? It's okay. We're going to need to embarrass ourselves a little if we're truly going to be the church. Can we do that? Let's get past the fear and the pride and get down to loving each other the way Christ intended us to love each other. But that's not my sermon today. I just want us to get more comfortable at loving each other, all right? So I want to touch on a subject today that may seem a little elementary to some of you, but it wasn't elementary to the authors of the New Testament, so we're going to cover it. Uh, The subject is kindness, kindness. I want you to listen to the importance of kindness in the Bible where love is being commanded and taught. Let's look at Paul's words on the subject. He included kindness in his teaching on love several times. Last week we read the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, also known as the love chapter. And this is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. This is the very start of Paul's description of love. He says, love is patient, love is kind. We'll get to patience next week, just be patient. But (laughs) kindness 
is the second term that Paul used to describe love. Love is kind. Now, that seems kind of obvious, doesn't it? Of course, love is kind. But when you put this statement together with the command to do all that we do in love, it means that we are to do all that we do kindly. We're to always be kind. And now it's moving from obvious to challenging, right? Love is like that. We struggle to do the obvious sometimes when it comes to loving each other. So I believe we need to focus on kindness for a few minutes this morning. Love is kind. And what does it mean to be kind? Kindness is the joy of meeting someone else's need before your own simply for the sake of relationship. Kindness is showing sympathy or understanding. Being loving means being kind. It means making the joy of meeting someone else's need a significant goal for yourself. Kindness puts people first. Kindness puts itself second. Kindness sees people. Kindness acknowledges and understands the needs of others. Kindness means that you're affected to the point of action by someone else's state. And this is the kind of love that I want to see increase constantly in my life, and I hope you do too in yours. The command to be kind shows up more than just once in the Word of God. Here are a few more challenges for us from God. In Ephesians 4, Paul's writing to the church about what this new life that they were experiencing was to look like. In Ephesians 4.32, he writes this. He says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And we'll address forgiveness in this series as well. But Paul here is emphasizing the need for us to be kind. And he challenges a couple more churches with this as well. We've just seen him address the church in Corinth and the church in Ephesus. This is what he writes to the church in Colossae. And he's talking about the new self to those who now followed Christ. And he says this in Colossians chapter 3. He says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other as the lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive and we looked at those verses last week we went on to he paul went on to instruct the church to put love on above all these things but once again kindness makes the crucial list of the characteristics of the life of a christ follower and then to the church in Galatia, he writes this. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The Spirit of God produces in us the fruit of kindness when we remain under his direction and submitted to his power. Peter wrote about the kindness as well, about kindness as well in his letters. Kindness was simply part of the core description of a Christ follower's life. It cannot be ignored. We cannot, under no circumstances, we cannot justify a lack of kindness in our lives if we're truly a disciple of Jesus. Kindness has to be something we're known for, so we've got to work on developing kindness in our lives. There are four steps that I think we can take to increase the practice of kindness in our lives. Practicing kindness will help kindness become natural to us. 
So there are things that we can do to grow this in our lives. And the first of these four steps is observation. Observation. We need to get good at observing kindness in our world. It may be happening less and less frequently as the days go by, but it's still there. This past week, I sent out an email to the church um, giving all of you some homework. I asked that you take the past few days to look for acts of kindness taking place all around you. Uh, If you brought that list, go ahead and take it out now. And if you're not receiving emails or the weekly newsletter from the church and you'd like to, please just go ahead and contact our church office and, and get on that mailing list. We would do well if we learn to observe all the acts of kindness taking place around us every day. I've seen some great ones recently. I'm I'm trying to train myself to notice when somebody else is being kind. That kindness is a reflection of God's image in all those that he created. And we need to start seeing his image in others. Um, One of our boys was at the doctor's office recently and had to get a blood draw. And uh, blood draws are not fun, um, not even for us grown-ups, but especially not for kids. Um, this was at Children's Hospital, and they typically do a very good job with the blood draws. Um, they're as precise as they can be, and it's generally a, a good experience. Um, but for, for a, a reason I'm about to tell you, uh, this one stood out in, in just a new way. Um, I got in there with my son, and, and he sat down in the chair. He knows the drill, and, and um, the technician that was doing his blood draw Um, sat down next to him with nothing in her hands and just sat there and talked to him for a few minutes. Asked him about who he was, what he enjoyed, and all that kind of stuff. Um, Just engaged him. Made him feel a little more comfortable. Um, She let him know what his prize was going to be before she did the blood draw. And that was good. That always helps. And just talked to him. She asked him questions. And then she explained everything that she was about to do to him. And then she asked him if, uh, if it would help if she counted to three before she put the needle in. And he agreed. And then they, he, she began to do the blood draw with him. And he looked at her right in the eye with total confidence as she did it. She counted to three, put it in. He never flinched, not a tear, not a squeak. He stood his ground rock solid and just looked at her and had total confidence. That was Kindness. She didn't have to do that. She didn't have to go the extra mile. Usually they just do it. Sit down, he knows what's coming. She engaged. That was kindness. As we walked out of the lab, he looked up at me and he said, Dad, I like her. (laughs) We have to look for her when we go back. This week I was having lunch at a at a Chinese food restaurant in this area, and I got to see another act of kindness carried out. Um, The woman who manages the restaurant, her name is Anna, and she's very kind, and she always takes the time to engage in conversation with their customers. Um, Great, excellent service there, and so I was sitting having lunch, and while I was, this woman came in the front door, and um, she said hello to Anna, and she said, "I, I have some questions for you. And this set up an interesting scenario because uh, English is not Anna's first language. English was not this woman's first language either. She was an Eastern European and she had a really difficult time with English. Now, she had not come in to buy anything. She was there for advice, cooking advice. 
And so she began a process of asking Anna how it was that they managed to get their meat so tender in the restaurant. She explained that she couldn't get it to happen. Her meat kept coming out dry. Now, these two going back and forth was just something amazing because English was a struggle, but that was their common language. And Anna had so much patience and just took her time and made the effort to understand and to be understood and walked this woman through different ways that they cook their meat in order to get it tender. And it was a beautiful thing that she just took the time and wrestled through words like stim, which is steam. And so one's trying to say stim to the other and the other's trying to understand stim and there was this huge mess in the middle there for a while. But she took the time. She looked this woman in the eye and engaged her and had a long conversation with her. And at the end, the woman just thanked her up and down and said, you are my new friend. And out she went and it was, it was great. She took the time to be kind. I had another experience that was very memorable this week. Um, on Monday morning early, um, I met with two of our elders for coffee at Caribou Coffee on Cliff Road. And um, we finished um, solving all the world's problems and then uh, got up and headed out. And if you've been there, you know there's two doors at the entryway, an inner and outer door. And I went out first and um, as I went out the second door to go outside, I, there was a woman coming and I paused and I opened the door for her. And um, one of the elders grabbed the inside door and opened it and the other elder was stuck in no man's land. He was standing between the two doors and stepped out of the way graciously and this woman was coming and she was struggling. She was on crutches and she was having a hard time. She had a bag with her and uh, she was struggling to get through the door. Her crutch got hung up on the threshold and, and she was getting really flustered and she started apologizing. And I felt terrible, and I was just like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it at all. And so she started to get through the, front, the first door, the, the front door, and got in between, and she was struggling, and there this other elder is standing and um, did something very kind. He said to her, I see you brought your mugs in. Well, Monday was free coffee day at Caribou, right? So he says, I brought mine. He holds up his, it's full of coffee. He had got his free coffee, and she had brought in two that were in this bag she was carrying, And at first she hesitated, but then all of a sudden she just looked at him and just her whole countenance changed. And she engaged and she said, yeah, they got free coffee today. And he says, I know, I got mine too. And he pointed to the other elder and he held his mug up and and there was just this conversation that went on. And she just was totally put at ease. She just relaxed. Her whole countenance changed because someone took the time to be kind and not just watch her struggle. Those are the kind of things that we need to be looking for. What have you seen this week? What's on your list? And if you didn't make a list, I'd encourage you to do so in the next few days. And can I tell you why I'm suggesting this? Because if you're anything like me in this, and I think you are, what happens to you when you see someone else do an act of kindness? You get inspired, don't you? And chances are you're actually going to go and do something nice to somebody else because of what you've seen. So train yourself to look for kindness. Observe it in your workplace, at stores or restaurants, in your home. Pay attention to the love that you're seeing expressed through kind acts all around you. And let that observation spur you on to committing some acts of kindness yourself.
Practice something that will grow your capacity to love others through kindness. Second step that you can take to develop kindness in your life is to identify the opportunities that exist to be kind. Sometimes those opportunities are very obvious. Um, Last week, after one of our bigger snowstorms, hard to believe that now, uh, thankfully, after one of our bigger snowstorms, we looked across the street at our neighbor's house and at her driveway and agreed that something needed to be done. There's a woman named Kay that lives across the street from us, and she's a widow, and shoveling snow off of her driveway is not something that's really beneficial to her health right now. And so we looked and and said, let's do it, and got the whole family together. We grabbed our shovels, and we headed across the street and cleared the driveway and continued this wonderful relationship that we have with her. My wife is just so kind to Kay. Um, She'll go and grab her mail out of the box and go and take it to the door and just have conversations with Kay, or she'll call her from the grocery store and say, hey, do you need anything? And things like that, and just pours out kindness on her, and and Kay does to us as well. Um, It was an opportunity then to express kindness, and we took it. You know what the best part of it was? My boys. That was the best part. Um, They didn't wreck her car or put a shovel through a window or anything like that, as you're probably expecting by now. But... (laughs) Each one of my three boys, at different points, without being prompted in any way or having any idea that their brothers were doing the same thing, each one of the three, as we were getting started, came to me one-on-one and said, Dad, I love doing stuff like this. That makes a dad's heart celebrate. Kids get it. They get it. Jude said to me, Dad, I, I, I like doing things like this. It makes me feel so good. They loved it. Where are the opportunities in your life to be kind? Identify them and respond to them. Follow through on them. Let me give you some suggestions of opportunities that are already there or maybe you need to explore a little to find. How about being kind to your spouse? and expressing appreciation for what they do or offering assistance in what they do. Um, Offer to drive someone you know to a doctor appointment or chemo appointment or something like that. Celebrate something significant that's happening in the life of one of your coworkers. Visit someone who's shut in for a time. Bake extra cookies to deliver to your neighbor for no obvious reason. Offer to cut your neighbor's lawn or take care of things for them while they're on vacation this summer. Take a neighbor's kid along on one of your family outings. Offer to babysit for a family in the church so they can have an evening out. Bring in lunch for your coworkers one day. Make the time to listen to your kids no matter how many times they ask the same question. Invite someone to join you for lunch after church on a Sunday. And I could go on and on and on with suggestions for a long time, but they're all going to have one thing in common. Look for a need that can be met or an opportunity to encourage and seize it. These opportunities are not hard to find. Just be kind to someone. The third step in developing kindness in your life is addressing your attitude. Addressing your attitude. This alignment of our attitude when it comes to kindness begins with understanding the model that was set for us to follow. The model of kindness that Christ gave us came from an attitude of humility. Humility. Remember Philippians 2 verses 4 to 8? Let me read it again for you. 
Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The attitude of a kind person is an attitude of humility. Humility. We are to look to the interests of others first. We try so hard to find people to call friends who share the same interests as we do. Well, kindness goes far beyond that and looks to impact people no matter what their interests are. People have the need to be affirmed no matter how different they are from us. Jesus was obviously not very concerned that his needs would be met. He spent his life assuring that others' needs were met. That's the attitude that he wants us to have too. Another characteristic of a humble attitude is that we release any expectation that we have regarding the outcome of our acts of kindness. The outcome is up to God. Our acts of kindness are not to be carried out in order to benefit us or to make us feel better about ourselves. I remember several years ago um, coming out of a store in uh, downtown and um, coming behind me a few people back was a guy that was missing one leg. He was on crutches and um, working his way along with some difficulty and I stepped to the side and I let some more people pass and then I grabbed the door and I held it open for him. And part of me is going, I hope everybody sees what a great person I am as I open the door for this person and I'm standing there waiting for my standing ovation from the crowd and instead I nearly got my arm broken because of the bitterness of the guy that was coming through the door. He took one of his crutches and hit me as hard as he could in the arm to knock my hand off the door. And with wrath in his voice, he said, I can do it myself. Shoved his way past me. Kindness doesn't guarantee anything. Leave the outcome to God. Fourth step is this. Do it. Simply just do it. Just be kind more often than you are right now. Compliment the clerk at the store you shop in. Hold the door for someone no matter what they may say or do. Smile at somebody. Let somebody have your place in line. Wave a car into traffic ahead of you. Pay for the person behind you in a coffee shop. I heard a great story about a group of women that met weekly in a coffee shop just to fellowship together. And their agreement was that when they got there, they got their coffees and then they all put money together. And with the money that they had, they bought a gift card at that coffee shop. And then they left it at the front counter to be used up by whoever came next until it ran out. And they paid for all these people behind them. And they sat over there having their little chat session and kept glancing over their shoulder to experience the surprise that was taking place at the register because of their act of kindness. Offer your assistance. Visit an elderly friend. Communicate love to the rest of your family. Tip well at restaurants. By the way, church people have a terrible reputation when it comes to that. Compliment your coworkers or your kid's Sunday school teacher. Just do it. Just be kind. Use your words to build others up. Use affirming words. Affirm who people are and what they do. 
Use hopeful words. See the best in someone and call that into the light with your words. Use truthful words. Become aware of the importance of your words and the power that they have. Listen to yourself speak sometime. Think back over your day and spot the times when you used your words in an unkind way. And then go back the next day and apologize for what you said. Remember the value of every single person that you meet and never underestimate the influence of kindness. Never. Do you have a vision for what kindness could look like in your life? If not, create one. Create a few questions for yourself to build that vision around. Questions like this. What would your impact in life be like if you saw every encounter with another person as an opportunity to express kindness? What if you decided to be kind not just on your good days, but on your not-so-good days as well? What if you initiated a gathering of your friends or family to commit some corporate act of kindness? What if you always look for opportunities to affirm the value of another person? What if you began to view the people you encounter as valuable beyond measure, gifted, created for a unique role in life, and capable of receiving and giving love? What if you viewed yourself as someone capable of being clothed in kindness, being transformed by love to give love, someone whose need for love is met fully by God to the point of freely giving without the expectation of receiving? Take this to God. Tell Him that you're ready and willing to have the kindness you express in life increase dramatically. Ask Him to grow this in you. Observe kindness. Identify opportunities to be kind. Address your attitude. And do it. Be kind. Clothe yourself with kindness. Practice kindness. Start loving others more by practicing kindness more often. Pray with me that we together grow the love that we have for each other in this church, for those in our neighborhoods and schools and workplaces. Pray that our light comes to shine brighter and brighter and brighter in this world. Be kind. I'm going to invite the ushers to come now as we take our tithes and offerings and the worship team to return to the stage. And let's pray together as they do. Father, if we stop and think about it, we realize that your kindness has been poured out on us in, in bountiful ways. You are so kind to us. Your love for us comes through in the kindness that you express towards us. And God, we acknowledge this morning that kindness is a part of the image of you that was created in us, in everybody. So Lord, we're asking this morning that you grow that kindness. That you help us to see kindness in others. That you help us to see that it's not just in your church that it happens. It's in the lives of people all over the place who were created in your image. Open our eyes to the acts of kindness that are taking place all around us. Your word says that love is kind. Help us to observe it well. Help us to look for opportunities to express it every single day. Help us to understand that one act of kindness can dramatically change somebody's outlook at any given point. 
Help us to get over the fear that we have of being ridiculed or rejected or standing out, maybe making a fool of ourselves once in a while. Help us to get over that reserved nature that so many of us have and just be kind. Teach us to look people in the eye, to put their interests and their needs before our own. Help us to be instruments of your love in our neighborhoods, in this community, through the ways in which we express kindness. Father, I thank you for making it simple for us. Love is such a complex term, but you took something like kindness and said, be kind, love is kind, just do that. Well, we can do that. So Lord, fix our attitudes. Humble us using whatever it takes to the point where we begin to put others first more than we're doing now. Thank you for the kindness that's shared here in this church. Increase it, Lord. Help us to love each other better here. To love everyone that comes through the door. Thank you that you go with us and that you will provide those opportunities to be kind. Help us to see them, to have the right attitude and to take advantage of them and just follow through. Father, we thank you now for this opportunity to give to you. We know that we can trust you with all of our needs. It's where we see your kindness so often. So help us to give back so that through this church you can meet the needs of others and we can continue to grow in our expressions of kindness here at Chapel Hill Church. Guide us into the week ahead. Show us what you've got for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.